0: BAAAAAAA um. Welcome back, everyone, to the Second Shot All-American Golf Podcast. I am your co-host, Tom, here with my other co-host, Phil. Phil, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good, Tom. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing all right. Um, how was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was good this year. Um, I'm
1: not a big, proud guy, so it's kind of different. But you know, I miss my, my friends and my family, and I hope everybody was able to enjoy their Thanksgiving as well. How did uh, how would yours go?
0: Small. It was a, it was a nice small get together, but uh, it was nice to get some much needed you know time off work and you know get to see you know some family. Obviously, you want you know you wish it was you know big family get together's and as much as I don't like having to drive all around town on holidays, it you know kind of missed it. It was weird.
1: It's amazing how uh, how used we get to some of the habits that we get into it's different
0: <laughs> for sure so you know today before we get to what we have for the today's episode did want to first of all thank everyone for listening over the past week or so since we released our first episode the support has been awesome feedback has been awesome um just a little programming note we first we thought you know maybe it was a we were going to do this you know biweekly every other week then we thought oh let's maybe do it every week or once a month or maybe two in a month uh, or three in a month, whatever it may be. Um, at this point, we hope to get, you know, maybe another episode besides this one out before the end of 2020, and we'll evaluate from there and, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what we have. It could change basically probably between, you know, what, what's going on at the time if there's certain golf tournaments going on. Maybe we'll have more episodes during, you know, the peak golf season. We're just going to evaluate and see, and uh, we'll really go from there.
1: Yeah, and and it's also to make sure that we provide you with material that we feel like you will enjoy and that we feel is relevant to our game and will keep your interest throughout the entirety of a full year.
0: Exactly. And also, if you look in your description of the podcast, wherever you are listening, it should hopefully now have what uh, you would call timestamps there. If you don't like listening to us in the beginning, perfectly fine. If you're just here to listen to our interview today, or even Devin's gambling picks, which I mean, I don't know why you would, but if you only want to listen here, if you're only here to listen to that, then that's perfectly fine with us. Just check the timestamps in the description. If you want to skip to that part of the show? Feel free. Um, we're going to add that. You just think it's a a good thing in case people, you know, are short on time or they're just here to listen to the person that we're interviewing that day, whatever it may be.
1: Yeah, if you cut Devin out, please let us know. But if you choose not to listen (laughs) to us, just don't hurt our feelings.
0: (laughs) Uh, So moving on, there was some golf this week. Uh, The Match 3.0. Phil, did you get a chance to watch on Black Friday?
1: I, in fact, turned it on when they got to the eighth hole, I believe. And that's kind of where the bad golf started to take place. (laughs) Yeah. but. I wasn't really watching it for the skill of golf. I was watching it to see what Charles Barkley was going to bring to the table.
0: His swing looked good, man.
1: I was shocked. It looked as smooth as gravy, and that's for Charles right there. But it—it it was, I—I I was very impressed. It took me back to the Haney Project days.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, it was kind of a a one-sided match. I mean, well. They lost the first hole, um, Barkley and Mickelson, and you were like, oh, well, here we go. And then they just kind of dominated from there on in.
1: I think it's something for all of
2: us to remember. Zen isn't for everybody, but it's for us. (laughs) I I don't know if I...
1: You're not a coffee person, are you, Tom?
0: No, but... I am very, very intrigued by Phil's concept and just his state of mind and how he approaches the game. It's very interesting. I'm not sure that it's something that I would necessarily do. I'm not a big coffee drinker, but it's certainly worth a shot.
1: I'm kind of intrigued to see what that concoction he's drinking is like. I don't don't venture out with my coffee very much.
2: I'm pretty cut and dry, but... I might have to try what he's, what he's concocting.
0: <laughs> right. So what did you, uh, what'd you think of the uh, course they were playing, Stone Canyon? Stone Canyon?
2: I, the, the sight lines were different. The, the backdrop looked absolutely phenomenal. It was great. And,
1: you know, any course where I can hit it where the grass isn't, and it's going to bounce back into the fairway. That's my style of course.
0: They didn't always have that happen, but I, I see your point.
1: I mean, that that's just you know how I can get off the tee. I needed that last week when we played, but um, it, I just thought it was a fun course to watch golf on.
0: It was. Some of those tee shots and uh, tee boxes are scary, yet also awesome at the same time.
2: Yeah, I. I'm afraid of heights, so elevated tee
1: boxes are not my friend, but those of you who know me, I have a pretty firm base about me, and I get very, very cautious when I feel like my feet are not on solid ground. So number 10's tee box at Stone Canyon kind of was a little nerve-wracking for me. I I got scared watching them hit tee shots like somebody was going to slip and sprain an ankle or something and then fall
0: down a canyon. I I thought Charles was going to just fall down the camp. No, Charles was below them at that point. I forgot Charles was not on their tee box. I thought that was also interesting. Where they, and it was fair, but he wasn't at their tee box, which was I don't think something we saw. I believe in the match two, both Peyton and Tom Brady were all at the same tee box, and then the match one was just Phil and Tiger. But it was interesting to see that he played at a different tee box on a few of the holes.
2: Yeah. And going
1: off of that, were you as intrigued to watch it without Tiger, or were you kind of hesitant?
0: You know, I didn't enjoy it quite as much. Um, it was it was definitely interesting, and I've enjoyed, like I said, we talked about Phil. It was interesting to listen to him kind of pep talk Charles on a lot of shots, have what seemed to be misreads on a couple putts, and Charles looked at him with, with a funny look on a couple of the holes. Yeah, I mean, I think... Overall, I mean, it, it was good, but yeah, I mean, it without Tiger, it's always missing something, and I thought it was better when you had two tour pros with two amateurs. I just think it's better that way.
1: Yeah, I think that was a pretty big stage for Stephen Curry, and I, I honestly, I felt bad for him. I, I feel like he's a much better golfer than what was shown to America
2: on Friday, but, um. It definitely needs two well seasoned pros and then
1: your two higher amateur players for sure.
0: You think Steph would have been good, you know, missing the playoffs and all.
2: Must have been that injury he suffered.
0: Right. Maybe.
2: God. Throwing shade rock.
0: Hey, you know, I mean, he's a scratch golfer. He could have played a little bit better. Although, I thought he. He had a lot of decent shots, and he kind of got some bad breaks. That tee shot on 10 that hit in the water, he bombed that shot.
1: Well, that, it, that thing was absolutely hammered. But I, I think something also that we should point out is we're big Tiger supporters.
0: Sure. Of course.
1: I, I'm more of a Tiger realist. But I, and I, That's to a fault at times, too, but we are big Tiger fans.
2: So, not seeing him match, kind of, I I did shed a tear a little bit toward But
0: But Mickelson has grown on me. I honestly didn't like him, especially when Tiger was in his prime. I just never rooted for Phil, but I find myself rooting for him more and more the older he gets.
1: (laughs) Twitter has been a big, big improvement for Phil. He's just, he's hilarious. He's absolutely hilarious.
0: Well, enough of the, uh, the Match 3.0 talk. It was fun. But uh, transitioning a little bit to our guest today, Chad Gilligan, the head golf professional at LaSanneville Country Club. Phil, what'd you, uh, we already had this conversation with Chad. Um, Phil, what did you think of the conversation?
1: The information you'll get from Chad is tremendous. Uh, he, he's very informing in so many different levels of the game of golf and you know he he teaches the game he markets the game he understands the game and i think there's so many one aspect style of professionals out there i think i think chad gilligan is a swiss army knife to the game of golf he's he's just your one man tool he he has everything that a successful golf club will need. And you'll learn some of the information that he simply provides us in our interview with him. You really wouldn't think about some of the stats that he throws at you. What, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, you also learn that he has played so many good golf courses. and that he's a listener. He answered one of our questions before you even got to ask it.
1: Yeah, I felt insulted by that. But at <laughs> the same time, you know, and, and you can't fault him for that. But I, I try not to be too envious of golfers with some of the courses they've played, but Chad's about as close as I'll get to being envious of somebody with some of the golf courses he's been able
3: to, uh, to walk and play, for sure.
0: Absolutely. Well, we won't waste any more of anybody's time. We do want to get to that interview as soon as we can because you real really enjoy it. Um, so let's go ahead and kick it over to our D3 gambling expert, Mr. Devin Kane. All right, everyone, welcome back our D3 athlete gambling expert, Mr. Devin Kane for the Mayakoba Classic this week. Devin, how are you today?
3: I'm doing well, Tom. How about yourself?
0: I'm doing great. So, if you want to go ahead and just recap your week and uh, let us know what uh, your picks are for this week,
3: absolutely. So, up front, did make a mistake last week, but that well, is two part weeks of ago. Being two weeks ago. Yeah, sorry, two weeks ago. Uh, oh. That is part of being responsible to so always know what you are betting on. Last, our I thought made a bet on top twenty odds, but they were actually the odds of the top ten payouts, Uh Still worked out, still cashed out, but always check, double check your bets before you officially
2: place them. Being responsible. So based off of, yeah, Harbertown or not Harbertown, uh, RSM, 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 yep, classic,
3: yep. Um, had three payouts, one of them being Harris English placed top ten for three point seven five units, uh, Patent Desire for eleven units, and I got playoff. Or 3.5 so in total that was 7.25 units up
2: minus the original ten dollar investment or 10 point investment ending the week up seven
0: five units pretty good
3: yeah not bad hey that's a good that's a
0: good first week people might actually start listening to you what do you got what do you got for this week
3: all right so this week Mayakova, wish I was there right now. Just got done shoveling my driveway. So, <laughs> weather's a little bit better down there. <laughs> so, with this one, we're actually going to have a little bit better field than the RSM. Uh, we've got seven players in the top 30 in the world. Uh, Kim went down for this one. And actually, Justin Johnson back out last minute. I uh, guess, reasonable after winning the Masters and his performance and partying for the past down in the Bahamas. So, I guess he hasn't really been playing that much golf prepared. Um, so for the RSM, I went with my gut with following the local boys, the local talent. So I am actually going to do that again for this week. Um, being in Mexico, I'm going to have uh, a couple Mexican players. So my first one is going to be Carlos Ortiz. He was actually a winner uh, earlier this year at the Houston Open, right before the Masters. And he was the runner up at the event last year as well. So knows the course uh seems to be playing some pretty good golf so i'm going to put one unit on him to win at plus plus i i'm going to put one unit on him for top 10 at plus 500 and one unit for top 20 at 50 plus 250 and then my second golfer is going to be abraham anster another fellow uh national mexican down there playing so for him he's got a little bit better or uh Better player, so he's got less odds to win plus 2000 for a top 10, plus 250
2: for a top 20, plus 100. So double your money there. Um, Then that's six minutes total.
3: And then for my other bets, I have a head to head match. So hopefully, Answer plays well. I have him going head to head finish to get for a better finish against Daniel Berger. Those odds are minus one twelve. So I'm gonna play a couple odds or a couple more points on that. I'm gonna play two points on that. That way some extra money. And then for my last unit, I'm going to play follow my lead again with a playoff and a winner this
2: week after a playoff plus four hundred for my best.
0: Nice. It's, uh there's some good picks there. Uh, you go with the local guys again. That's the second uh, second time in a row. You gonna think you think it's gonna pay off again?
3: I hope so. Hopefully, it's uh the new way to go. We'll see if it works out this week, and uh, it'll only tell for the future. Might have to change up my philosophy moving forward if it doesn't work out. This.
0: Week. Hey, it's worked so far, and uh, always we are using those odds off the DraftKings sports book, and um, as always, please gamble responsibly if you do. Devin, uh, thank you for your picks this week.
3: Thank you, Tom, for all your time.
0: (laughs) You got it, buddy. Uh, Now on to our conversation with Mr. Chad Gilligan. All right, everyone, please welcome our guest. He is the head pro at La Country Club. He was the 2013 Southern Ohio PGA Assistant Golf Professional of the Year. He's had stops at courses such as Pinehurst, Reynolds Plantation, Cincinnati Country Club, and is the only back-to-back LCC golf staff fantasy football champion. Please welcome Chad Gilligan.
4: Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Phil. That's quite an intro we had for you there, Chad. Yeah, I, I was waiting on uh, Phil Mickelson to jump in and say, whoa, 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 okay, okay. kind <laughs> <laughs> of like that with Tiger. <laughs> He didn't pay me enough to say that. Although I do have the same name, but we'll
1: we'll go to that later. But Chad, can you talk to us a little little bit about
2: your journey through the game of golf?
4: Oh, this could take a while, but uh, I'll sum it up a little, a little shorter for you this evening. Um, started out at age fourteen, working at the local country club, Mountain Builders Country Club in Newark, Ohio, which is just east of Columbus. Um, I'd grown up playing baseball, basketball, and football basically my whole life and decided I wasn't going to play football going into high school. So my dad, who was in the golf business, he was actually in marketing for the golf work, um, convinced me to go work at the local country club and see if I could learn how to play golf. So I worked there for about seven summers through high school and parts of college and then uh, moved on to Longaberger Golf Club just east of there for four years. I moved down to Pinehurst, as you mentioned, for four years at the resort. Worked at uh, the clubhouse at Seven for two years. The main clubhouse, um, the year of the U.S. Amateur, and then, uh, course, six, my final year. Ran that operation my last year. Um, moved on to Georgia for two years at Arnold's Plantation at the Great Waters course. Uh, moved back closer to home at the uh, Cincinnati Country Club for two years, and now I've been at Lisanneville for just finished my seventh season.
2: Quite
0: the journey. Full loop. Back <laughs> up north. So, I couldn't help but notice there, you've been at uh, a public course, a resort course, and a private golf course. Um, can you talk to us about maybe the differences of being a professional at all those and what is, you know, work if, like what's the difference between working at a public course, resort course, private course, things like that?
4: Yeah, good point. Um, I would say that after being at a private course at Mound Builders and then moving out to a completely public golf course at Longaberger, then moving on to what I would call a golf professional boot camp down at Pinehurst and literally dealing with members, resort guests, outings, everything. At that juncture, after working at course number seven, I realized that the private club side of the business was where I wanted my focus to be. And mainly because I felt like the building of relationships was there. You know, you get to see the same people over and over, get to learn their games, learn their families, see them grow um, professionally at, with their golf game. Everything. You know, you ask what the differences are. It's it's very different in the sense that you see the same number of people more often versus a lot more people, a lot less. That's really the. Only, that's probably the biggest difference. Cause at a golf course, you're still running, whether you're public, private or resort, so to speak, you're still hospitality industry, you know, is number one, your, your service levels are number one. So really that doesn't change much from place to place, um, nor does really what you're doing. It's just more how you're interacting with the people that you're seeing on a daily basis.
2: You
1: were talking about um, the different places that you've been able to work in, the different styles that you've had to work in. Can you talk to us a little bit about what Cincy Golf brings to the picture uh, compared to the other markets that you've been in?
4: Yeah, I would, I would compare Cincinnati a lot to, uh, I guess, basically when I was up in the Columbus area, um, just knowing that and growing up in that area. Um, very different in a sense, from Pinehurst or Georgia, really. Um, And I know you guys have traveled down in those areas as well and seen a little bit of that. But I think Cincinnati has a great collection, a really good collection, for sure, of of private golf courses. And I think you see this in a lot of metropolitan areas as well, that the public golf courses are good, but sometimes it's uh, harder to find those hidden gems in a in a urban area for public golf. I know we definitely have a few here, but I think that's kind of all the big cities I've been to and played golf. And you kind of, a uh, you know, you try to find those couple really good public golf courses. Sometimes they're harder to find than others, but I think any metropolitan area you go to, you're going to find a good, you know, collection of private golf courses.
0: You now you mentioned talking about, um, some of the courses in this area. Um, We asked this to all of our guests. What are some of your favorite courses to play in the Cincinnati area, public and uh, private?
4: I'll start with public. Uh, Number one is Stone Lake for me. I don't uh, think it's really close. I think that's a lot of fun to play that golf course. You could get a different golf course every time you go there, which really makes it enjoyable. Um, Blue Ash would probably be my number two.
2: And I would say third. Uh, elks run
4: now i will i will say that i've only played under 10 public golf courses in the area for sure i've definitely played more private than public because a lot of our southern ohio pga events and pro-ams and such are at the mostly at private courses more than public so when i actually get away from get away from lasanaville to play golf it's usually in an event and it's usually pre-scheduled at one of the private courses in the area.
2: Um so that leads me into my favorite private. Um
4: I'm sure you guys have touched on this a little bit, but there have been in the last year or two and even moving forward the next year or two, there's gonna be a lot of construction on these private clubs in the area. Um Cold Stream's currently under construction, so is Kenwood. Uh, a couple others coming up. I know Makateo finished some construction, Lassanneville's doing some work. So I'm gonna go with my rankings based on Free work of these golf courses. That's fair. Because I haven't, haven't seen it all yet, but Coldstream's probably number one, Camargo two, Dendale three,
2: Losanaville four, Hyde Park five. And when you
1: talk about the construction on these golf courses, is it more architectural changes or is
4: it the implementation of practice facilities? Um, both, for sure. Um, practice facilities are getting revamped at almost every club in town either, or either expansion or adding short game areas, additional putting greens. But a lot of the work at um, Coldstream Kenwood, that's architectural, you know, uh, eliminating trees, rebuilding bunkers, moving and shifting holes and fairways even, um, even moving some greens.
0: So transitioning into LaSanneville, and you've kind of touched on it a little bit there, if you were say at a bar, someone found out you were the head pro at Lasantaville and maybe said to you, "Oh, I played there back when it was the Ridge Club," or "Oh, I played there back in you know 2014." How would you describe you know the changes that have you know been made to that golf course? Golf course alone, um, or the facilities too? Not just the golf course, but the facilities as well.
4: Yeah, that's a long list there. Um, golf course wise. Um, uh, we're currently in, uh, phase one, I would say of, uh, I guess it's a four-year construction plan, uh, course, golf course enhancement plan of building forward tees on virtually every hole, building back tees on about five or six holes, uh, building some new middle tees even on about four or five holes. Um, the whole plan kind of started with our superintendent saying, Tom Judd saying he needed, uh, money to rework the bunkers because they were getting to a point where they washed out they didn't drain well his man hours to put into that was really taking a lot of time away from his crew so that's where the whole plan even started so we're rebuilding eliminating moving every bunker on the golf course as well and then uh, the fairway patterns are being shifted slightly uh, just to give it a little cleaner look and kind of shape it around some bunkers and such it'll Really give it a good look when it's complete. We've got almost all the tees built this fall. So hopefully by next spring, we'll be playing most of those new tees. Uh, bunkers and fairway patterns will kind of finish up the project over the next two to two and a half years. Um, short game areas, two different short game areas were built at Wasainville. Those were opened about three years ago in September. So we have a putting green uh, with a bunker three sides with fairways. That's all off the parking lot up on the uh, upper level behind the range. And then out on the golf course, we have a short game facility that you can hit shots up to about 100 to 110 yards. There's seven to eight target flags down the left side of the short game area. Um, A large green, much larger than our current practice green. And a bunker, two bunkers out there as well. So those have been huge additions to the to the golf facility um just inside the clubhouse has been reworked lately with new carpet new chair coverings i mean it's it's new cart paths almost throughout the entire golf course so really in the last 7 years it's seen a lot of change all for the good all for the you know looking towards the future so basically
1: you're telling us if we want to get better at golf we have to practice that would help yeah i don't like hearing that so you put your year of 2020 together would you consider that a major success or would you say it's just been a
2: rebuilding style of year
4: this year at the club
2: has been a great success in my opinion we've gone uh really
4: from doing i'll take 2020 out of it so My first six years at the club, we were averaging about thirteen, thirteen and a half thousand rounds per year. Did 15,100 last year, which was the best number we'd seen, um, at least over the last 20 years. And this year, we're already over 24,000, and we'll probably get to 25, unless the snow sticks around for longer than we'd hope. So, that alone was huge. We're going to be up 60% on rounds. Membership's essentially capped currently at 340 golf members, um, 450 total members. Um, it gave people, you know, something to do. It gave people, uh, kind of a release and a relief from everything going on. Obviously it's hit a lot of people in a lot of negative ways, but, um, for those who've been able to avoid it, it's kind of given them a safety outlet.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing what you guys have done there in terms of the numbers, um, compared to years past.
4: Um, yeah, most, most, pro, most professionals I've talked to have been 30 to 40% up and some even 50, but I think our number is one of the higher I've heard in percentage wise.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can attest from, from working there with you. The, the membership has grown tremendously over the past, you know, three or four years specifically. Yeah. Um, Leading into, you know, being a head pro there, you know, I guess, you know, you kind of described this to us before we started the call here, but what many people don't know when they go there and they shop at the golf shop, you actually own the golf shop. Could you kind of tell us about, you know, what, what that means?
2: Sure.
4: Yeah, that's correct. I do own the golf shop. Um, had to set up an LLC under my name and, uh, when I first got the job, um, it's it's a fairly uncommon practice these days. Most clubs have taken over ownership of their golf shops, uh, but it's interestingly enough in Cincinnati, it's been um, there's probably a half dozen to eight golf professionals that own their shop in this area as well. So, which is not normal. Most uh, areas you might find one or two or three, but this seems to be a little higher in this area than others. But essentially, it means I'm taking on all the risks. I'm taking on all the risk reward, so to speak. If uh, we sell everything in there, I might have a profitable year. If we don't, uh, might end up breaking even or losing some money. Really. it's You're not going to get rich in owning the golf shop at a country club. You might make a little extra on top of what you do, but um, really you're just trying to add an additional uh, amenity and service for the members and provide them with goods that they want to purchase. You know, they want to, find that golf shirt, that perfect golf shirt that fits them with the LCC logo on the sleeve or the chest and be able to wear that proud uh, either at the club or to other clubs or out to dinner. So we try to, it's interesting The product
2: mix is really geared to everybody. We don't want,
4: we don't want to just be a golf shop. So really in the last four years, we've kind of branched out and done some more lifestyle stuff as well. Boat shoes, swim trunks, for example, just, it doesn't have to be just golf. So, and I guess my best practice for owning your own golf shop is providing members with items. They can't just go buy anywhere. you know, at some of your big box stores, for example. So you have to be flexible in pricing too. When Dix runs that, uh, you know, Black Friday sale and they're throwing Maverick drivers on sale for $3.99, you've got to marked $4.99 you've got to be flexible and be able to match that price if you want that sale.
2: That's
0: interesting. What would you say, um, you know, one of the more challenging items are, or what do you say? Like the challenge, more challenging things to sell are within the shop.
2: Uh, women's apparel. Number one, I think just mainly because you've got uh, a wide variety of members, um, on the women's side of golf
4: age ranges, sizes. I mean, obviously you have that in men too, but um, when you're buying more in men, you can make a few more mistakes here and there. But uh, currently I would say our product mix is more, um, just in apparel alone is probably more 75, 25, or even 80, 20 men versus women's apparel. So when you're going 20 or 25% in on that, you make a few mistakes that come back to to get
2: you a little bit and it's all sizing generally Chad, can you talk to us a little bit about the caddy program at
1: Lasanaville? i know this is one of the focal points to really get youth into the game of golf but can you ex- uh, explain to our viewers and listeners a little bit about the caddy program that you have at Lasanaville?
4: absolutely that's one of our i'd say that's our memberships pride and joy probably even over the golf course. They love the caddy program. They've been supporting it for years. Um, I think we're currently at uh, 97 Evans Scholars through La Santaville Country Club in the last 50, 59 years, I think it is. It's huge. So it's a lot of a lot of scholarships um, earned through that club over the you know, last 50 to 60 years. And it's mainly a, a lot of member support. We have a lot of Far Birdie Club members who... For those of you that don't know, that's the Western Golf Association, Evans Foundation. Each level you donate to um, raises up with par, birdie, eagle, and so on. And we have quite a few of, of our members in that program. Not to mention, we have three Evans directors. Um, Scott, Matt, Morgan, and Leif Edgar are all WGA Evans directors. So there's a lot of support at the club. It's great. Um, I tell this. Essentially this same story every caddy banquet every year. Um, you know, you get these kids come in February and March, they got their head down, they're not looking you in the eye. They're looking for an application, usually mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, someone else is even with them doing all the speaking and uh, i'm just trying to get this junior involved. And uh, you know, by the time they're seniors, juniors even in high school, they're looking you in the eye, very confident kids, and it's just really cool to see. You know, kids grow up. I'm not saying we do all of that, but certainly uh having them around some successful people every weekend and getting to learn the game of golf a little bit, hopefully they get trained well and get interested in even playing the game uh, that's probably fifty fifty some do some don't, but just being around the right people every weekend, learning from successful people and um, just really need to see them grow up and I think. The caddy program is great for that, and clearly, it's been successful to help them get scholarships as well for those who qualify.
1: That's one of the beautiful things about the game that we spend so much time in is we get to learn lessons each and every day that we go out there. Why we love the game or hate the game, but it teaches us a lot about who we are, and I think that is a good leeway into my next question for you. What are your strengths? as a teaching professional what what are some of your focal points that you try to
4: aim for when
2: you have a student
4: i would say there's a couple things one is i i learned a lot at pinehurst from eric alpenfels and kelly uh kelly mitchum um, paul mccray they've been there forever and i just sat back and watched them teach a lot of lessons and then i got thrown into the, the golf academy with them as well so learned a lot from those guys. And then, you know, the more you watch people swing the club, whether you're teaching or not, you can start to pick up swing flaws just because you see it. You've seen enough of them. You know, it, especially when you see the result of the ball in the air. Um, so just kind of getting an eye for understanding why the ball is doing what it's doing. You can revert back to what you learned and kind of use that to help those people understand how they can fix it. Now, I think the the bigger part of that is understanding how they learn. Do they want to see it? Do they want to feel it? Do they want to, you know, um, hear it? You know, there's so many different ways people learn and definitely some people don't like to see their swing on video. So
2: I don't even offer that unless they ask typically, which some people love it, but some people don't want to see it because they'd rather feel it or just hear it. Um,
4: so I'd say that those are probably the two main things, just having an eye for it. Cause you've seen enough swings and understanding how people learn and just trying to communicate it in a way that it's simplified. The more you start, you know, taking the simplicity out of it, the, the quicker you're going to lose them.
0: So I uh, kind of transitioning a little bit outside, um, LCC, You also are the vice president of the Southwest chapter of the Southern Ohio PGA section. Could you kind of explain, you know, what, what it is that you do in that position and what the Southern Ohio PGA section, especially the Southwest chapter does for the game, like in the area?
4: Oh, sure. Yeah. So Southern Ohio PGA is, um, golf professionals throughout the Southern half of the state of Ohio. You know, you've got Cincinnati up to Dayton, east to Columbus, east to Zanesville. I mean, basically, I 70 kind of doesn't exactly split up northern Ohio, northern and southern Ohio, but it's pretty close. So, um, and then within that section, we have two chapters, southeast and southwest. The southwest covers Dayton, Cincinnati, um, southeast covers Cincinnati and, or Columbus and east, basically. Um, so within the chapter, we do a lot of different things. Uh, that kind of align with the, the section, so to speak, you know, tournament pr- programs, um, instruction um, with um, hope, for example, which is a kind of a wounded warrior project type thing where you're teaching uh, past military folks. Uh, all of this kind of goes back into the Southern Ohio PGA Foundation as well trying to raise money for scholarships. And um, we do. Also, education for us and for others out there that want to learn more about rules, for example. Um, but education for our members as well, for the PGA. As far as being on the board, the board is really responsible for taking the feedback from all of our PGA members back to the boardroom and to the section. Um, to, so essentially, we're in charge of making sure to that the membership is well taken care of and getting what they need out of their membership.
0: That's neat though. I didn't realize that they did, that they did all that, the Southern Ohio PGA section. It's not something you hear a lot about. You hear more about in this area, probably the GCGA and things like that. You don't really hear as much about that. It's probably more of a, a, PGA thing.
4: Yeah, I would agree. But if you, I think if you were to go look at their website, you would see that, like you said, GCGA, right. SOPGA, very similar in a lot of ways in what they're doing. Right. They both have junior tours. They both have boards. I mean, it's, it's, GCGA is going to be more for the area. Right. Like we are with our chapter, um, where GCGA is a a link off the USGA. So we're just a link off the PGA. Same, a lot of similar things. They're dealing with the amateur level, we're dealing with the professional level mainly.
1: Yeah, can you talk to us a little bit about some of your favorite courses outside of the Cincinnati area? You maybe branch out into the other parts of the Southern Ohio PGA. What are some of your favorite courses out there?
4: Uh, in, in the Southern Ohio PGA
0: and outside of it, like in the country that you've played. Oh boy.
4: You've uh,
1: got, you've gotten to explore a lot. We want to hear some of these <laughs> interesting answers.
4: I've been pretty fortunate on some of the trips I've taken, but, uh, within the Southern Ohio section, I would say Moraine and NCR South and Dayton are both
2: phenomenal. Uh, get up to Columbus, Scioto, Country Club, Double Eagle, um,
4: Muirfield, obviously, up there. I've yet to play the golf club. That's really probably the only one in the area I have not played. Um, but obviously here are great things, and it's well-ranked, so I'm sure it's a bucket list as well. Um, I can't not mention Longaberger Golf Club, which is now called the Virtues Golf Club. Number one in the state public for the last 20 years. So, If you haven't made it there, that's worth a trip. Um, Outside the section, I was fortunate enough to take a trip to the Hamptons last fall. got to play Shinnecock National Golf
2: Links, Maidstone, Sabonic, the Bridge. In East Hampton. I'm not sure you're going to find a better golf trip than that. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. That was phenomenal. Weather was perfect. Late September. Lynch, Sinecock, and National
4: both twice. Um, moving south, obviously the Pinehurst area is close to my heart. So number two, number four, number seven in that order. People ask me that all the time. Number eight would be next. Um, also in the Pioneer's area, the Country Club in North Carolina two phenomenal courses there, the Dogwood and the Cardinal I don't know if they've done any changes to it since last time I played it but I, was, I always said if you put the front nine of the Cardinal with the back nine of the Dogwood you might have the best course in the state really good um, Forest Creek has two great Fazio courses down there as well they were building the Dormy Club when I was there so I don't Unfortunately, we, did not get a chance to play that. I know you have. We love it. We love it. So, yeah. I got to watch them. I drove out there about a half dozen times, just watched them kind of do some work, and it was pretty interesting. I'm a number of hours out there watching that.
2: Um, well, I
4: can keep going. Further south, Chichessie Creek Club, just outside of Hilton Head. Phenomenal. and Crenshaw Club.
2: Um, Town, right there on Hilton Head. Uh, Down into Sea Island. Love the seaside course. One of my favorite resort courses I've ever played. Seminole, down in Florida. I've not played it since they uh, did the renovations, but
4: that was definitely in my top five of courses I've played.
0: I think all the listeners are just Uh, waiting for uh, you to say Augusta at this point.
4: Eh, not not (laughs) there yet. Cypress Point and Augusta are still on the to-do list. Especially Bandon. Bandon Dunes. Oh, yeah. Number one on my to do list if I can get out there. For sure. Um, Oakmont, I've played. That was
2: in my top five. That pretty much covers most of my top 10, 15 lists. I think you named a few good ones there. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty fortunate. Chad, how many US Open courses have you played? Uh, Pinehurst, Oakmont. Shinnecock? Ooh. That's tough. Shinnecock for sure. I and
4: mean, you go back, um, I'm not sure if Sciota has hosted an open. If they did, it was many years ago. I know they've hosted a senior open. Yes,
2: they've hosted an open. You're correct. Um, yeah, some of those hosted those events so far back, I probably wouldn't even
4: come to the top of my mind right away. That probably covers it.
2: Yeah, I there think, that, I think that covers and they're
4: Like like exactly, like Miami Valley Golf Club. I don't think they hosted an Open, but I know they hosted a PGA. That's up in Dayton. Correct. I know, NCR has hosted a few major events. I'm not sure what they're – I think they had a PGA as well, maybe, in the 50s.
0: One of our favorites we love to talk about, Tobacco Road.
4: Oh, yeah.
2: That's undoubtedly in my top 20. You're either going to love
4: it or you're going to hate it. That's what I tell people. I loved it. I haven't Target, talked to anyone who's hated it. Uh, I'd say most people that don't like it are your high
2: handicappers. I could see that. Making some big numbers out there. Because
4: you can hit a good shot and get penalized out there. You could also hit a bad shot. Get a good break. but. Um, yeah, I think some, uh, some of your higher handicappers might not enjoy that one as well.
0: Pretty difficult. So w- one last thing I wanted to bring up here before we get to our, our, our final question, which we ask all of our guests. Um, recently, you did a Pelotonia, is that how you pronounce it? Pelotonia. Pelotonia golfathon uh, a thon It was October 12th. Um, near and dear to my heart, I lost my mom to cancer. It, it supports fighting cancer. You played 108 holes in one day at five over par. I'm going to run through the scores here, 74, (laughs) 73, 68, 71, 69, and 70. Uh, Can you talk to us just about what you were supporting and, you know, what that day was like?
4: Sure. Yeah, this probably started about 10 years ago. My father-in-law, Heath, is a big cyclist. um, And the Ohio State University was putting together, well, I should say they were the beneficiaries, a group called Um, all the money raised through this cycling event, I won't even call it a race because it's more of a ride. Um, all the money raised goes directly to the James cancer hospital up at Ohio state. So he rode the first year, my wife rode with him the second year. And I went up that year to the opening ceremony to kind of see what this is all about. Cause I probably hadn't hopped on a bike in probably 15 years. So I go up there and I'm like, wow, this is cool. So many people all for one cause. You know, they say one goal, um, to end cancer. So after that, I'm oh in, I rode every year. I think we missed twice due to family vacations that were booked so far in advance. One was a cruise. We just couldn't change it. So we still supported it with donations, but the years we missed, but anyway, I've been riding for the last eight years. I've ridden a hundred miles, three times. Uh, last three times I did, it was a hundred mile ride. So my goal last year, I started the golfathon thon was to try to match. I just wanted to add a twist to the fundraising, make it a little more fun, you know, get people maybe a little more excited about donating money. So I set out to even my number of holes uh, to the number of uh, miles I was going to ride, which I did this in June last year. So it was a little easier to with daylight to get as many holes in as i could um and i got in 101 last year so they canceled the ride this year due to covid so i'm like oh i'm going to do the golf on anyway they'll try to raise money they're still trying to obviously end cancer so i don't need to stop my fundraising so this year i went out it was a little later than normal just due to us being so busy and finally getting organized and getting around to it but yeah 108 holes was i was tired very tired
2: as you notice, the scores almost got better as I went. They did?
4: So, the answer to that question, which I know is coming, if you played the same hole six times, don't you think you'd start to figure it out eventually?
0: Yeah, with the same pin, I would think so. I would hope so.
4: <laughs> exactly. Speed of greens, same pins. You start to get used to your, your bump and runs and your pitch shots, how they're going to react. I, I think the first round was my highest score in once I kind of got going with the hole locations and the uh, speed of the greens, of course, I got a little tired, had a few lazy, tired swings. But when you're playing well and trying to make as many birdies as you can, because some of the, some of the doner- donors um, were providing additional money towards birdies and eagles. So still trying to play every hole as best as you can, even though you're trying to get in as many holes as you can as well.
2: Each Chad, in
1: that circumstance, I start developing ghosts if I play a hole too many times.
4: <laughs> well, if you looked at my hole by hole, I didn't par six once. Not once.
2: It's a tough hole? It's a tough hole. But you're right. Those demons were in my head. I i knew it. I hadn't parred it yet. <laughs> maybe pressing a little too hard.
1: <laughs> Chad, we got one final question for you. And this... This is some that, as Tom mentioned earlier, we'll ask every guest. But a chalito and us? a
4: cheese coney. And if I'm wrong, really Oh, hungry, there
2: two. it is. <laughs> a chalito and a cheese
4: coney.
0: We share the same order. Do you All get spaghetti? The
4: way. In the chalito, no, but I do get it with sour cream.
0: Okay. What about? I'm the really cheese hungry.
4: Conies? I'll go with two of those conies. All
0: the way. All the way. It's a All common right. answer. Everyone wants the mustard and onion.
1: Some of us can handle our mustard and onions. Can't we Chad? That's oh, right. All right.
0: <laughs> well, everyone, uh, we, we appreciate, uh, we appreciate Chad coming on. If you want to learn more about the please visit them at their Facebook page or on com. Chad, uh, once again, uh, we appreciate you coming on and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll speak to you in the future.
4: Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thanks Bill. Thank thanks
0: you, Chad. All right. Thanks Chad. Hey, everyone. Tom here. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Second Shot All-American Golf Podcast. Please don't forget to like our Facebook page, as well as follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. If you have any questions or feedback, please reach us at secondshotallamericanpod at gmail.com. And if you could, just please rate and review us wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you for the next episode. Thanks, guys. <laughs>